Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Tommy. I'm the pastor here. Um, I'm still a little sweaty from worship, <laughs> jumping around in the zone. I, th- I, think I, I think I dabbed most of the, the glisten off of my forehead. Um, but I'm, I'm so thrilled for what we're going after in the house. Last week, we cracked open this topic of spiritual warfare. Um, I, I, if you were here, you heard me talk about how there are times in a, in a church body or in a city where I've been here eight years now in LA, and there are different kind of moments where there seems to be a heightened spiritual warfare that's going on. And when you hear enough of individuals talking about it, where, where it feels like, okay, this is more than just a few people around that are experiencing something. This is something we should pay attention to. And um, Holy Spirit, how do you want us to actually engage um, from a heavenly perspective, we, we definitely don't need to fear or panic or worry, but what's the solution? And so as I was just praying myself, I felt like God was leading us into this journey of teaching on spiritual warfare from a, a confident um, scriptural lens. And so we're going after that again today. You guys ready? All right, let's dive right in. Um, I want to start off with a story. There's a man named Neil Anderson. Has anyone heard of Bondage Breakers, the book? I heard a few, oh yes, oh yes. That means it's been working, it's good. Um, Bondage Breaker is an incredible book. Neil Anderson is the author. And uh, my mom counseled individuals for about 30 years in my home. So since I was a kid, she would do discipleship counseling in our home. She would never even charge people. And I would watch individuals come in kind of a mess, honestly, and they would be discipled and brought into freedom. And she would often take them through this book of bondage breakers. So it's, it's kind of become a classic in the Christian world. So Neil Anderson, the, the, the author of the book, talks about a time where he was meeting a woman who was demonized. She was sitting in his office and wanted freedom. And so they booked a session and right there in his office, this woman who, who was just broken and, and needed this help of freedom, literally demonized, is asking for help. And he says they begin the session and she starts looking at him with, with these different kind of eyes. And he can feel kind of that shift in the room of darkness. And she gets up out of her chair and starts coming towards him and hovering over him, getting ready to actually do something violent to him in the middle of this session. And so he knows what he can do. And he quotes scripture from 1 John. And he says, I am a child of God. You are not allowed to harm me. Be silenced and sit down in Jesus' name. He remained calm. He knew that his authority did not come from shouting. It came from the authority of being a son of God. So he knew he did not have to shout at the woman. He did not have to engage or partner with the fear that was trying to come at him. He responded with peace. And he responded to the demonic voices, giving an honor to the woman, but speaking to the demonic voices to get her to sit down. And ultimately, this woman came into complete freedom in that area of demonization. And so I wanted to just start a story. All of, some of you here are like, what is this guy talking about? Demons. This is already a little sketch in this room. And... Part of what I want to wake us up to is that we are in a spiritual battle. We are on a battleground. We are not on a playground. And so on this earth today, 
There are sons and daughters waking up to the reality of the battleground that we are in. And we know, first and foremost, how to engage with Jesus, because that's the whole point. We are bringing the kingdom of God. We are advancing it. We are preaching the good news. We are teaching. We are making disciples. But if the enemy gets in our line of sight and vision and starts to detract, distract, and take us out, we know what to do about it. And so we're going to go after that again today. And I'm preaching specifically on the authority that we have as believers. Uh, the, the story begins the first pages of Genesis. Genesis 1.26. Let's read that together. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have, here it is, dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. There's a lot of creepy crawlers creeping on the earth. I always wondered why these creeping on the earth. But when God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in charge. They had dominion. They had delegated authority to rule over all of the earth. Yet, when they chose to sin, when they partnered with the temptation that led to sin, It wasn't just that they disobeyed God. They gave their ruling rights and authority over to the enemy. They had changed masters. Now let's flip to Luke chapter four, verse six. Setting the stage here, Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist. If you remember, the dove came and rested and remained on Jesus. And then he was led out into the wilderness for 40 days. And here he is in the wilderness fasting for 40 days. And at that time, Satan was trying to tempt him. Verse five, the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to Jesus, to you, I will give all of this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me or handed over to me. And I give it to whom I will. I give it to whomever I wish. This is the temptation of the enemy. He, the enemy had deceived Adam and Eve to give their authority to to him to rule the world in that sense. And because God has given humans dominion over the earth, it took Jesus being fully God and fully man to get this authority back. And so when he came with radical obedience and gave up his life, as a servant king. His death and his resurrection ripped back the keys of authority and dominion away from the enemy. He rose from the dead and he declared in Matthew 28, Jesus came, said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So here Jesus was declaring that the original commission to rule the earth had been restored. Someone say, amen. And it's important that he states it boldly, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All means all. How much authority does Satan have now? None. All means all. When we become believers in Christ, when we give our yes to the free gift of salvation by grace alone, we are now in Christ. 
We are new and we are in him. And therefore, we are now carriers of this authority. That means that every new circumstance that arises in your life, every place that you go as carriers of the presence of Jesus himself, we bring his authority and his kingdom to rule and to reign. The only way that Satan has authority is when we give it to him. And that's why he's working so hard to still deceive and still to tempt and feed us with lies and our thoughts to get us to surrender our authority with our choices, with our agreements, and with our actions. And when we partner with our will and our choices with these lies, when we give in to sin, when we make these different agreements, we are empowering a disempowered enemy. Yet, aren't you glad there is a yet? Yet, if we arise with our delegated authority in Christ, and we refuse to listen to the enemy. He is powerless and cannot wreak havoc in our lives and in our settings. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone's feeling it today. Let's go. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. At this time, Jesus was was not only with his 12, but there were these 72 that were going out and bringing the kingdom of God. And they were seeing individuals healed and made free of demonic oppression. And here we have in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, these 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He had seen it in a vision. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions all over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Satan and demonic forces are at the very bottom, subject to God's authority that he has placed in us. They have absolutely no legal right to rule your life. And so I've got a question then. How then does it seem that the enemy is still able to place these negative influences on believers? How is it? Let's look at Colossians 2. Is someone feeling fired up today? Let's go. We're not messing around. Colossians 2. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us of all trespasses, say, thank you, God. (laughs) By canceling the record of debt, canceled. That debt record, canceled. And that stood against us with its legal demands. This, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. All that condemnation, all the list of your failures, all the things that you did and things happened to you, all of that nailed to the cross. Here it is. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Look at that. He's not holding back either. (laughs) God never holds back. Let's go. Disarming, disarming the rulers and authorities, putting them to open shame. I love that. Triumphing over them in Jesus. Satan is not an equal power to God. He is disarmed. He is defeated. All he can do is deceive believers, you guys, into thinking that he has more power and authority than he has to do so. 
But the truth is that we have been given all authority over the kingdom of darkness in Christ. All authority. When we're dealing with these demonic forces and things coming at you and the individual in your life that you're trying to see free, it doesn't matter how loud you are shouting. It doesn't matter how loud you say in Jesus' name. Authority is something that is the truth of God that lies within you that you have let take root in your life to such a degree that that belief and faith is made manifest in that moment. Authority is something that you have, you hold, you carry because you know and you believe and you trust the word of God. If a parent is shouting at their kids, it's usually because they feel out of control. They're trying to control the situation. It's a scare tactic motivated by fear. I remember one time uh, I was still living in Chicago and there was a new believer, uh, a girl from Russia that had just moved to Chicago and she had just become a believer in Jesus. And, and in, her, in her kind of curiosity, she went to a nearby bookstore and in the basement there was occultic books. And there was actually a woman there that was um, giving her a kind of psychic reading in the basement of this bookstore. First of all, let's just, that, isn't that an eerie picture? <laughs> of course it's in the basement. It's, it's, it's always in the basement. Stay away from the basement of occultic books. Come down these stairs. The soothsayer lays beneath. So this girl gets this, gets this reading and surprise of all surprises, she gets demonized. Now, I'm going to talk about demonization um, another, another day in more detail. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of believers are confused on a number of those, those topics. Is it possessed? Is it oppressed? Now, possessed, um, a very quick answer is possessed. I don't believe believers can be possessed because we are possessed by the Holy Spirit. Can we be oppressed? Yes. Demonized can be a whole varying degrees of the influence of demonic forces on your life. So believers, yes, can be demonized, and we got to see you set free. So this girl gets demonized, and we schedule an appointment, and I'm sitting um, on the second floor. Second floor is safe basements. <laughs> Just kidding. We were on the second floor. It's not really part of the, part of the setting. And... Um, so we start doing some, some freedom. We start uh, renouncing what she has done, agreements that she's made. But she, this is a very common thing that happens. Um, she looks down as in kind of a stupor and looks back up at me. And if you know, you know, there's kind of a discernment where you're like, I am no longer looking at this girl. Does her, do her eyes turn completely black? That has happened. I've seen that before. But in this moment, you just know the darkness is looking at you, right? The demonic force is looking at you. And so I'm thinking, this, this no, no, no. <laughs> Not today, Satan. <laughs> and in those sessions, sometimes you can feel, we're trying to give language to spiritual things, but you can almost feel this like cold shift in the room, almost like a cold wind so to speak, in your spirit. And so you just know, you, over time you use discernment. So I look at this girl and she, she's not there, but this thing is. And so 
I'm trying to get some sort of response. We're trying to uh, renounce the thing that she has made agreement with, and she can't do it. She's just like incapable of doing it, right? And so just not even responding and then uh, like looking off and just completely distracted. And so I, in that moment, rather than shouting at someone, rather, rather than doing whatever else I could have done, I just said, I, I call forth, and I called out her name, I call forth her to attention. I mute and muzzle and disarm every demonic force right now. She has agreed that she wants freedom. You will not keep her from freedom. So you will be dismissed, and I call her to attention right now. And so in that moment, she falls back down like this and looks back up at me. I'm like, oh, there she is again. She goes, what just happened? I completely blacked out. Like, did not remember that. This is very common when you're dealing with individuals that are demonized. And so we were able to then uh, renounce and break agreements with things that she had made, and she got freed from that demonic force. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we see in scripture that there's the loud shrieks and there's the, the explosive response of demonized individuals. But I got to tell you that more than anything, the truth sets people free. Yes. When people break agreements legally with what they've done, the demons have to flee. And so we do not have to entertain the demonic that are trying to impress us. They have to go in the name of Jesus. And so I'm very passionate about letting believers arise in authority and to know just how small the impact of the enemy is on our lives. All right? The enemy wants to bring scare tactics, but all we have to do is maintain our position in Christ. Chris Valentin is over Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Redding, California. Um, it's an incredible ministry school, and a lot of their emphasis is, is on supernatural experiences and seeing the moves of the Spirit in our lives. And Chris talks about how for years he had to go through his own PhD program, so to speak, of things of the Spirit. And, and there was a time where, where in the middle of the night, he would wake up and there would be a fear in the room and there would be two large red glowing eyes looking directly at him. And it wouldn't go away. It wasn't like that like groggy state after you wake up and you're like, did I just see something? This, it, it maintained. So he knew some form of spiritual warfare, so he did everything he could. He's like, let's open the Bible. I'll read the Bible out loud. I'll sing some songs. I'll sing some worship songs. I'll, I'll uh, pray out loud. Like he's doing everything he can, but this thing is not going away. And it's night after night. These red glowing eyes are coming. And then the Lord spoke in the book of Philippians. And he read in Philippians, let's read this together. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, this is Paul writing, I may hear of, I hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Okay, that's good and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. The emphasis, not frightened by anything in your or by your opponents. This is a sign to them of their destruction. Now, now that, we are not meant to be in fear by anything the enemy throws at us. And so he read this, it leapt in him, and he said, okay, 
I'm just not going to be in fear. And so that night he went to bed and he woke up in the middle of the night as became usual. Hopefully that's not happening to you. (laughs) Woke up, there were the red glowing eyes again. And he said, oh, it's you again. And he flipped over and went back to sleep. It's the ministry of ignoring. He woke up in the morning, everything was shifted and lifted, and it has not come back since. Has not come back since. And he said, it's the power to ignore. Oh, it's you again. I love that. Doesn't that just show how how weak? I'm not frightened by you or my opponents. This is a clear sign of your destruction. It's you again. That's cute. Good try. The evil spirit lost its ability to scare him, and it no longer had power over him. And he learned several things from this experience. First of all, the evil spirits have no power over Christians, even though it feels like they do, unless we give it to them. We have power over them. Secondly, the battles can come in waves, but they don't last forever. Third, you probably did nothing wrong to cause this battle. In fact, you might be in the battle because you're doing something right. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, Paul explains that the power of our authority in Christ is the same power, that same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Let's read that together. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of this great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, far above all power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Also in the one to come. That's right. Every name that is named. He put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. There we go. He put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The resurrection power is the greatest power recorded in the word of God. And that same power that rose Jesus from the dead and defeated Satan is the power that is available to you as a believer. Paul, inspired by the Spirit, is wanting us to have our eyes opened to the availability and the breadth of this incredible power. Far above all rule, all authority, power and dominion, far above it, above every other name that is named, not only now, but in all time. All time, no matter what comes our way, no matter the evil rulers of our day, no matter what wars come, he is far above them all, past, present, and future. And we too are seated with Christ in heavenly places. The power and authority isn't something that we receive or will receive. We have the power and authority right now. Some of you might not feel it right now, But as a believer, you have that power and authority that rose Jesus from the dead living inside of you right now. It's time to be awakened by the Spirit to that reality. 
You are spiritually alive in God right now. You are seated in Christ in the heavenly places right now. You have power and authority over the kingdom of darkness and accomplishing his will right now. Colossians 2 verse 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. You have been made complete. What is this verb tense? have been made complete. When did this happen? At his death, resurrection, and his ascension. That's when you were made complete. Not only were we made alive in Christ, but that's when Satan was disarmed and he was defeated. He was disarmed and he was defeated 2,000 years ago. This is not a pending defeat. This is not a future defeat. It already happened. In fact, we don't have to defeat the devil. We do not have to defeat the devil. Jesus has already done that. And so the question remains, if Satan is disarmed, why are we not experiencing more victory in our lives? It's because he is called the father of lies and he's deceiving the entire world. He's roaming around like a hungry lion. He's looking, he's fierce. He's attempting to paralyze you in fear. But can we actually believe that those fangs have been removed and his claws have been removed? The authority that we're talking about here isn't an independent kind of authority. Our authority is to do the will of the Father. That is where our authority comes comes from. Our primary call is to focus on things of the kingdom, to preach, to live the good news of the gospel, to love others well, to care for them, to preach, teach, and pray. But when the demonic powers get in our way, we know how to deal with them. We know that we can arise with the authority that has been given to us. And based off of that authority, we can destroy with the power of the cross and resurrection power, destroy anything that comes in our way to see the fullness and the fruition of what Jesus paid for 2,000 years ago. It is an absolute dependence on him. Absolute dependence on him. And when we do so, then we can carry on with our primary task. Someone say amen. I just want to end with this one, one last thing, this one last area of authority. This just came to me this morning, and I thought I'd add it in because I think it's so important, and I've realized that in, in any kind of spiritual warfare battle, this is, is integral to seeing the victory that Jesus paid for be manifest into a situation or into a person's life, and it's the power of the blood of Jesus. We have to learn to apply and appropriate the power of the blood of Jesus. If I can flip you back to the story of Moses and the nation of Israel was under the slavery and bondage of Egypt. Now, this is a true fact. You can see it throughout history, but it's also an extended metaphor of when we have been enslaved by living in sin and bondage, right? Now, what happens? The nation of Israel is there, but the Lord wants to liberate them. Sound familiar? The Lord wants to liberate you. He wants to bring you out of Egypt and into your promise. And while the nation of Israel is there under under the captivity of Egypt, there's a number of plagues that come on the land of Egypt because the Lord let Moses arise as both a prophet and a voice in the land and saying, Pharaoh, let my people go. 
And if you don't, there's going to be these plagues that take place. And so there were locusts, there were frogs, there were boils. All these different times, the Lord um, released kind of this, this punishment on the land for not letting the people go. And every time Pharaoh's like, fine, leave, leave. Never mind. Actually, no, you can't leave yet. And so we see these different plagues come. But the final plague, the final blow took place when Moses declared, okay, the firstborn, firstborn son of every household will die in the land of Egypt. The firstborn son will die. Sound familiar? Firstborn son of God. This is a foreshadowing. The firstborn son of son will die unless you take the blood of an innocent spotless lamb and apply it to the door frames of your household. And there were instructions in the book of Exodus of what to do. It had to be a pure spotless lamb. Some of you hopefully are already seeing the parallels of, of who we have as the pure spotless lamb so that death would not come to our household. This is a, a prophetic call of the Lord saving us from death and bringing about salvation to his people by a pure and spotless lamb. Now, what they had to do with this pure lamb was to hang it up and let the blood fall into a basin. The blood would be drained, and then they would take a hyssop branch, dip it in the basin, and they were instructed to apply it to the door frames of their home. Notice that there was a a step-by-step process of letting it come into the basin and then applying it to the door frames. What Jesus has done has already been poured out into the basin. By the death of Jesus, his blood poured out for us. Paid for it all. It was paid for. Salvation, healing, wholeness, shalom, eternal life. It was paid for. It's in the basin. Will you take your ordinary hyssop branch, dip it in the basin, and apply it to the door frames of your life? Because if we appropriate what Jesus has paid for already 2,000 years ago, that spirit of death will pass us by. We will be protected. We will be under the blood of the Lamb that brings fullness of salvation. And so there's something here today that we have to know how to appropriate and apply the blood of Jesus to situations, to the door frames of our lives, to let the, the, the full impact of the cross be made manifest in our lives. And so often I see believers and they know the blood is in the basin, but they don't know how to get it into a situation. And so often we look at something that takes place. I, I think recently of my friend Josh over here and his, his niece um, had a brain tumor um, a couple years ago. And I remember that we knew that it was a demonic attack. They had just gotten back from missions trip and then this brain tumor is just growing so rapidly. They, they, everyone kind of knew there was something off. But we knew this is a direct attack of the enemy. How do we apply the blood of the lamb to this situation? 
How do we arise with our authority and confidence and speak healing over her, her life? And it was incredibly frustrating because it seemed like everyone else was just giving up. Maybe this is the will of God. We don't understand. You know, we, we, we give these weak answers to people. Maybe we just, God just need another angel in heaven. We do not become angels when we die. What is this weak trash that we are giving people? The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The cross and the stripes of Jesus already paid for healing. What we are commanded to do is to arise with authority and apply the blood of Jesus to situations and circumstances with confidence. It is time for the church to arise with power and authority, to not shake in our boots by a demonic voice or presence or spiritual warfare going around us, and to know that we are on the front lines of battle. But I am, I am equipped with Ephesians 6 kind of equipment. No weapon formed against me shall prosper in Jesus' name. It is time for a shift in the church. It is time for a shift in our lives. Will we see Jesus and take his word as it really is? Will we see the power of the Holy Spirit activated and charged in our lives? Will we start to see that I am a lightning rod of the lightnings of heaven? Whoever I touch will be healed and set free through my life. The circumstances and spheres that the Lord has given me, I will step into with confidence. I will not be, oh, Hollywood is so evil. Babylon, oh my gosh, this is, what am I going to do in Hollywood? The king of glory has arrived. Will you go onto your set, into your studio, aligned with the word of God, full of his power, and say, the king is here, his sons are here. The enemy is the one that's shaking. The enemy is the one that's shaking. And it's, this is the hour. This is the hour, family. This is the hour where we actually start to get it where we're alive, we're awakened to the reality of the true power of Jesus that lives inside of us. Let's arise together. Let's stand up. Would you right now just put your hands on the core of you? Just put your hands right in, on the core of who you are. And right now, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm, I, I'm preaching, I'm trying to stir up some faith in the room. We need you, Holy Spirit. I could, I could preach about authority all day long. I could sweat a little more. It doesn't matter. It's about the Spirit of God revealing the authority that sons and daughters have. That these hands are hands that heal the sick. These are hands that raise the dead in Jesus' name. Maybe I haven't seen it yet, but I'm aligning to your word. Maybe I haven't seen a demon flee out of someone yet, but I'm aligning to the word of God. Today is a day where I ask a shift within me that I am called to more. Why I'm not settled for being one that is weak and disarmed and dislocated but I want to align once again to who I was meant to be. 
and I am meant to be a son or a daughter that is roaring with the roar of a lion, knowing who I am in Christ, knowing that no matter what comes my way, I can align with the authority of heaven, that I am seated in heavenly places far above all power and dominions that try to take me out. And so I call forth in Jesus' name a fresh vigor, a fresh passion, a fresh sight to see as you see God. And I thank you too that as we arise with this kind of vision, knowing that there is more, there is more. And so I will not settle for less. I will, I will not hang on to, to petty things in my life any longer. It's time for me to use my time wisely. It's time for me to start having relationships where I'm on the offense, where I'm bringing the kingdom of God. It's time for me to go to a new neighborhood and to see from your perspective of what God's doing. Where Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning, that we will go into a place and see the works of the enemy disengaged and see from your perspective what you want to do. And so I thank you, God, that Jesus has all authority and power. And I thank you that I am his and he is mine. And so I just speak right now by the Holy Spirit, awakening in the church, an awakening and a fresh hunger, a fresh fire, a fresh passion to see the destruction of the works of darkness and to see the kingdom of God further expand, to see the good news be proclaimed and preached and lived out in its fullness. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. Amen.